Hey, DJ Fluck here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. The history book of sports is long and complex, with many great stories to be told. I'm DJ Fluke of StadiumScene.tv, and welcome to Sports Stories. Sports Stories looks at the most memorable and controversial stories in the history of sports featuring one of our StadiumScene.tv partners' personal experiences with the topic. After today, you will know the full story. Hey, before we get started, this episode was also recorded as a video, which is available on YouTube via the description of this podcast episode. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Sports Stories. I'm DJ Fluke. We did Sports Stories a few years ago and had a, a very popular video on the, uh, the Colts moving to Indianapolis and the controversy behind that move. And I mentioned uh, in the video that this has happened again since then with the controversial move. After a failed experiment with the United States Football League franchise and a little over a decade later in 1996, Art Modell, owner of the Cleveland Browns, announced he was moving the franchise to Baltimore with the creation of the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens have since won two Super Bowls. Wow, that uh, the, the quality of footage there was really bad. Obviously, I didn't know what I was doing then. I still don't know what I'm doing, but today we are actually going to visit that topic of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, as I mentioned in the clip, are an expansion franchise. The uh, the original Browns are now known as the Baltimore Ravens. So here with me today, I brought in uh, a friend of the show who always uh, joins us for our pilot episodes, it seems like, and native of Northeast Ohio, Ralph Shudell. Ralph, welcome. DJ, thank you. Uh, it's always a pleasure to know uh, I'm in the bullpen for you when you need to get a new show off the ground. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's great when we, we use you as a pilot. So Ralph, you obviously, Northeast Ohio, you're in the Cleveland television market, or I guess we're in the Cleveland television market as a, as a kid. Can you tell us a little bit about the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, I mean, so the Browns really are just kind of the pulse of the Rust Belt, which is, for those unfamiliar, uh, was the big steel territory up in Northeast Ohio and in Western Pennsylvania. And being in Cleveland, you're in very close proximity to Pittsburgh, so you had the rivalry with the Steelers and the Browns and growing up in Northeast Ohio, it was kind of a weird divide because you either had friends in on the schoolyard that were Steelers fans or you were a Browns fan or vice versa. So it, it really is etched into the fabric of who those people are in Northeast Ohio. And it's really something to look forward to. So growing up as a kid, I can remember my father and I making Sundays uh, a big adventure we would watch browns games he would do a home improvement project i would i would help and i use help very loosely because it was more of moral support or something like that but i was really there just to watch the games with them and just bond uh i can remember times 
on the weekends on Sundays in particular, where the world would just stand still when the Browns were on. It didn't matter how good or how bad they were. It was, you know, when the Browns kicked off, it was a big event. So obviously this is something that has a very close personal meaning to, to you and your family and, and many others in Northeast Ohio. Today, we're going to take a look at the key people and events behind the movement of the Browns moving to Baltimore. So Ralph, let's go ahead and kick it off with a little bit of background. Art Modell was the owner of the Cleveland Browns for over 35 years, assuming control of the franchise in 1961. He was a key figure in helping promote the NFL and was initially pretty popular in Cleveland for his active role in the community and his efforts to help promote the team. While Modell was quick to endear himself to the new Cleveland community, he was kind of controversial during his ownership. One of the main moves that was the most controversial that he had was including the firing of Paul Brown, the franchise's first coach and namesake. Joining Modell in the ownership group was a man by the name of Al Lerner who had held a 5% stake in the Cleveland Browns franchise and in 1995 assisted his friend at the time Art Modell who was the former owner of the Browns in moving Modell's franchise rights from Cleveland to Baltimore. Lerner introduced Modell to the Baltimore financiers of the deal and sat behind him at the podium at the press conference of Modell announcing the team's move. As is commonplace now in sports, you see a lot of teams sharing the same facilities. And back when Modell first took over the Browns, this was the case with the Browns and the Indians. Well, they played in this stadium called Memorial Stadium, otherwise known as the Mistake by the Lake, as it was lovingly known by several in the sports circles. And Modell decided that something was amiss. He kind of decided that he was going to take the problem of maintaining this stadium off of the city of Cleveland's hands and said, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and run everything. I believe he charged himself somewhere in the neighborhood of a dollar a year for rent. But he was also able to keep some of the revenues from the stadium, particularly in some of the loge boxes. And this kind of caused a rift between the Browns and the Indians as the Cleveland Browns franchise were keeping the revenues that they were selling from the loge seating and they were not sharing it with the Cleveland Indians and the Indians were not very thrilled about it. And all this time, the Browns were playing very well and the Indians were not doing very well, and the Browns were led by this guy named Bill Belichick. The Indians decided that they had enough and that they were gonna pursue their own baseball-specific stadium financed by tax dollars from the residents of Cleveland, and that led to the birth of Jacobs Field. Well, this didn't sit well with Modell at all or anything like that because now he was losing money and the fact that he was losing money was terrible for his bottom line. He cited to several folks that uh, he was losing the loge money that the Indians fans were bringing into Municipal Stadium as a result of this shiny new stadium. Remember from the previous video, the Colts had left Baltimore and the Orioles had moved into beautiful Camden Yards. There was still no football team, and there was a generally unoccupied Memorial Stadium that was continuing to fall apart, and the state of Maryland didn't want to take a risk like Indianapolis by building a brand new stadium before they had secured a team. Modell was running into all kinds of issues negotiating a new stadium deal with the city of Cleveland. He said publicly that if a referendum to fund the stadium did not pass the voters, he would have no choice but to move the Browns. Enter the Maryland Stadium Authority under the direction of businessman John Moog. 
It was at Al Lerner's suggestion that Modell open up discussions about moving the Browns, and Baltimore was the leading candidate. Negotiations between Modell, the City of Cleveland, and the Maryland Stadium Authority were more or less going nowhere until September of 1995, when Moog played hardball and approached Modell with the line, You need to act now. On November 6, 1995, Modell held a press conference at Camden Yards announcing that the Browns would be moving to Baltimore for the start of the 1996 season and play at Aging Memorial Stadium until a new stadium could be completed. There were numerous lawsuits to try to block the move, but like the Colts situation, and we all know the Browns moved to Baltimore and became the Baltimore Ravens. The big difference is Cleveland kept the name and the records, and they were essentially deactivated with the promise of returning to the NFL after three years, either after another team moved or the Browns were added back as an expansion team. The three years in which the Browns were deactivated, as the league will refer to it as, were some of the coldest, longest periods of time that I can remember. Now, as a fan, I had to find a team to root for, and I eventually settled on the Denver Broncos, which, as my father will tell you, was a uh, colossal mistake because I didn't know the history of the Broncos and Browns rivalry. But regardless, you had to find ways to fill the vacancy. And it wasn't that the Browns fans were mad at the league per se. The league continued on as it, you know, the support for the league continued on. Browns fans were hungry and they wanted to get back into the action. It's like you're at a party, right? And you're outside of the party watching everybody have fun. But the league tells you you're out of this party for three years and you sit back and you say, I want that. Well, finally, in 1999, that's when everything turned around. It was September 1999. The Browns and the Steelers back at Cleveland Brown Stadium at the time, which is now affectionately referred to as First Energy Stadium. This new stadium that was purchased and bought by Al Lerner, who has come back to save the team uh, after having a bit of a falling out with Art Modell. It was kind of the full circle of everybody is coming back together. The team is now saved. It's back. Lerner is now the, he goes from being the villain to the hero in the eyes of many folks. And it really is just a sweet night for the city of Cleveland and for Northeast Ohio as the Browns are welcomed back into the league by their fiercest rivals who have just made the short drive from Pittsburgh to come play them in this beautiful new stadium. And what a, I don't want to say bittersweet, but what a sweet moment for a learner who goes from being kind of the, the black sheep of the whole Browns-Ravens transaction where he was seen as kind of assisting Modell, assisting the enemy and getting the team out of the city. And just a beautiful moment for a learner who came back to Cleveland saved the team, got assistance from a man by the name of Carmen Policy to get the team back. And although the team was known as an expansion franchise, the heritage and the history and the record books were all saved. And that was just a beautiful thing for Northeast Ohio. And it was kind of like this weight and this burden had been lifted. And it was time to play football. You know, and granted, the Browns weren't the standard bearer of the time and it would take some time for the Browns to continue uh, their ascension up the ranks of the NFL as they still are continuing to battle to this day 
but it was just nice to be included in the conversation as the Browns were once again an NFL franchise and we had Al Lerner to thank. So now that we know the story of why the Cleveland Browns moved to Baltimore and ultimately came back, we want to come back in and talk to Ralph real quick before we wrap up the show today. So Ralph, you mentioned at the very beginning that this team was very important to you, your family, to Northeast Ohio. What, what do you recall from the move itself, from you personally, from your, your family personally? So a lot of the information that I have from the move was generally secondhand because at the time... While I was alive, I, I think it was just one of those things I wasn't aware of or the business of it. I just wasn't aware of. I was just told one day that uh, the Browns aren't anymore. They don't exist. They're not a thing. There's this new team called the Baltimore Ravens. However, my dad, who was born in Cleveland, raised in Cleveland, was very bitter about it and was very um, sad, I think would be the appropriate appropriate word for it. Um, he had a lot of ill will towards Art Modell, had a lot of ill will towards uh, the Baltimore Ravens, the franchise as a whole, still does, um, still thinks that that's his team. Uh, and, you know, that the stars of the Ravens could have been Browns, you know, if you think about a, uh, a Ray Lewis, uh, Willis McGahee, uh, a, uh, even now a Lamar Jackson, if you can imagine Lamar Jackson in a Browns uniform. Uh, that would be interesting, but and they, had was, time, they had an all-time great defense for many years. Uh, mm -hmm. They can never, you know, they, they won two Super Bowls, obviously, since then. Um, you know, they, they had an all-time great defense with a lot of great players, including our, our former uh, guest and friend of the show, Bernard Pollard, played for them for a few years. So it, it is really interesting to see how they, uh, th you know, it, it's like, these, these uniforms, these purple uniforms could have been brown uniforms. Mm -hmm. brown. Yeah, and, and it felt like, you know, just history kind of being thrown aside. Although in the deal, as we learned that that wasn't the case, the records and the heritage of the team remained intact, but it literally like you were pressing a pause button on history. So growing up for me, I was taught, to hate everybody, especially the Steelers. And right as I was getting into football and understanding football, the team that was matching up with the Steelers the most was the Denver Broncos, which at the time I didn't understand the gravity of the situation and how many times John Elway broke the hearts of Browns fans in municipal stadium. Um, and further contributed to the heartache of my father when his little boy was wearing a John Elway jersey back in 1998. Um, you know, but I quickly came back around to being a Browns fan. And what it means to have this team around, you know, it's been kind of interesting because a lot of people, you know, you've seen the bags of fans having bags on their heads on Sports Center or being completely embarrassed of the team. But the thing is, is that team it's ours. It's, it doesn't matter if there's a huge number one draft pick playing, you love the number one draft pick as much as you love the 
undrafted free agent who is, I think they had like a used car salesman kick returning a few years ago. And it was a big, a big thing. You love that guy as much as you love a Baker Mayfield or as much as you love a Odell Beckham. It's, it's a weird bond with the Browns in Northeast Ohio that you really can't explain it unless you live it. Awesome. That's uh, it's quite a story. It's, it's good that the Browns came back. Um, you know, they, they were able to, as, as we mentioned, maintain their, their, their identity, unlike the Baltimore Colts did, but still, like, obviously it, it still hurts and, and people are still upset to this day, much like people in Baltimore are still upset about the Colts 30 plus years later. So Ralph, thank you again for, for joining us today. Um, before we go, do you want to plug your stuff? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, DJ, always a pleasure. Uh, and shout out to our director as well for making us look good. I hope she got my good side here. Um, but uh, she's got a lot of editing work to do in post-production. But uh, anywho, uh, yeah, you guys can find me at I'm a busy man in college athletics, professional sports, writing about what irks me. I'll probably talk a little football after, after this episode airs uh, just because, man, we're getting close. It's like three months until the new Madden video game comes out. And then I get to play that and be disappointed. Um, but, but you know, uh, Ralph Shudell.com, or if you're at Twitter, that's at Shudell underscore Ralph. Uh, I'm sure DJ will link it in the bios and things of that nature. Cause he's very good at his job and he does what he does twice the best in the business. And uh, you know, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for having me on the show. And I hope I don't put the ratings completely in the trash can. Of course not. But on this note, we're going to end with a, a quick story about directors. Um, so Richard Donner, who directed Superman, uh, the, the the Superman with Christopher Reeve, uh, the Goonies, many, many great movies, an all-time great director. He keeps a bust of Abraham Lincoln in his office. And the reason for him keeping a bust of Abraham Lincoln is a reminder that Lincoln was shot by an actor. Oh, Lord. <laughs> So on that, on, that, on that note, be sure to check us out at stadiumteam.tv, at stadiumteam on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and TikTok, and at stadium underscore scene on Instagram. And thanks again for watching our first episode of the Revamp Sports Stories. We'll be back next week. <laughs>